Well, so Shal was given the job, the test, to wait for Shmuel to come and bring the Karbanas as a way to get a schus before he went to battle. Shal failed in the test. And then Shal, Shmuel comes, and instead of giving Shal the direction that he needed or the, the encouragement that he needed, he gives him Musa. He tells him that you made a mistake, you don't deserve to be a king. And at that critical juncture, where Shaul's now left on his own facing a vastly superior enemy, and Shmuel doesn't give him the advice he was, met, he was expecting, so Shaul's left on himself, so to speak, at this very uh, point of, it seems to him to be hopeless. So he's holding a parakeet gimel pasuk to Esvav, and uh, the pasuk says, Vayakum Shmuel, Vayamin Agil will give us Binyamin. Shmuel gets up, he goes back to where he came from. He didn't give Shal any advice or direction what to do. He just told him that you don't deserve to be the king anymore. So now Shal realizes he's on his own. So Shal counts the people that are still left with him. Remember we saw previously that more and more of the Jewish soldiers were running away yeah. because they were so afraid of the battle. And what he has with him is Kashan Shmuel, it's just 600 people, um, which compared to the 30,000 chariots and the endless amount of foot soldiers the Pishtim had, is a very, very insignificant force. And that reminds you, even for the Jewish army, that's uh, 600 people is nothing. If you remember then, when Shaul went the first time to war against uh, against Ammon, and the whole Jewish people gathered, so then he had 300,000 people. That might have been a, a significant force, but now he's left with just 600. So, the Shaul, the Yonison, Benova, Ammon, Imam, Shal, Yonason is his son, and the people with them were Yoshim Begeva Binyamin, with Lishim Khan of Mikhmash, like we saw before, that was the location of where they both were. And now the Lishim obviously uh, have prepared themselves and they are going to start fighting. So they, they begin the battle. So the, four, so the front guard, the first group of soldiers called the Mashkas, the ones we were to destroy. They leave the Pishti camp and they split into three, like three separate forces. How do they split up? The one goes towards Afra. So basically, they're doing a circular movement. So the, from the, it wasn't the main body of the Pishti army, but these three, uh, so to speak, in first, like, like expeditionary forces they sent out, they split up into three groups, they come from both the, all, both, all three sides to try and circle the Jewish army. Um, so at that stage, we now, besides the fact that the Pishti have already started marching and the Jewish army is about to be attacked, but the uh, Navi tells us to just understand better what the situation of the Jewish army was. And it says, The Pishtim had prevented the Jews having blacksmiths because that's why they didn't want them to make weapons. And therefore, besides having a, a, a very like, insignificant amount of soldiers, even the soldiers they had weren't even armed with, with metal weapons because the Pishtim controlled the trade of metal and therefore the 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 Jews didn't produce weapons. And if they needed other metal implements, 
So the Jews needed metal implements for farming, whether it would be for a pitchfork, or it would be for a spade, or it would be for a plow, or they were able to, they had to go to the fishing to make it, and obviously the fishing controlled what the Jews would get. So they didn't mind giving them working implements, but they make sure they didn't have uh, metals for weapons. Finally, with the Jewish army and the staff, they also weren't, they weren't armed. They didn't have uh, weapons to fight with. Um, so that's uh, because, like, I have to get everything from the Pishta. And if it says, Vahaisa, Absira, Pin, Lachayashes, those who didn't want to go to the Pishta to get their metal implements, whatever it was, so they used to um, find uh, other things to sh- like as ways to sharpen things for implements. Um, you know, the literal translation, the way the Pashim explained it, is that the, what they used to make more things themselves, the Jews were themselves they got from the Pishtim, um, they used to use sharp implements like stones that they could find and use that instead as their macharishas, as their plows, or the atim, as their spades. But the shlish kilshan or kardomim, a shlish kilshan is literally a fork, it means three, has three prongs. So shlish, something which has three prongs means a pitchfork, or a kardomim is a, a kardom is like a, something to dig with, or a hatsivadarvan, something to hold straight the plow when they used to, which was basically the, the blade which cut into the ground. So either they would have to get it from the fish, or they have to find sharp rocks or other sharp things that they had in order to do the jobs. In other words, there was no production of metal at that time in Tal Yisrael, and therefore they couldn't make weapons. And therefore, the army which Shal Yisrael had didn't have swords, they didn't have uh, shields. So what were they coming to fight with? So the first um, explain you that maybe they had stones, they had like uh, things they could make out of wood or stone, but they didn't have metal. And that the Matsu the Shal Yonison were the exception that they had, they had swords. So the Jewish people are in a very hopeless situation. There are very few of them. They didn't get any kind of encouragement from the Navi, on the contrary. The Navi just threatened that Shal's going to lose the kingship. And uh, they can't defend themselves, and they're, they're being attacked. As it says, The mats of the Pishtim, which means the standing army of the Pishtim, having now sent out the first forces to circle the Jewish army, so now they start more marching from where they were in Mikhmash towards the Jewish people. What sense were these 600 people soldiers? What's important to know now is Shal didn't know what to do. Shal didn't know what to do. He was in, a, like I said, a, a lost situation, he didn't know what to do. So we're going to see in Parakidarat what happens is Hatsala uh, comes from an unexpected source. And that is Charles Sanyanderson, who was really meant to be his father's helper. But Charles Sanyanderson decides to take certain things, things into his own hands. He had a, 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 a arms bearer who used to go with him in war. Normally, the point of the arms bearer was to hold the arrows because if the, the warrior would be the one to shoot, so he needs both hands, either to hold the bow or to hold the arrow. And therefore he has the, his arms bearers to give him arrows so, so he can shoot them. So Yenison, as you're going to see later, the Nach was a marksman. He, was, he, knew how to use the, 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 he knew how to use the arrows and, and therefore he had a Nair whose job was to hold the arrows for him. So he tells him, he says, He didn't tell his father what he wanted to do. He decided on his own that he was going to advance from where the Jews were encamped towards the Plishti army. Uh, which was 
coming towards him from Mechmash. Now, Yonason doesn't tell Shaul what he wants to do, he doesn't tell his father what his, what his plan was. Um, and the question is, we're going to discuss this question with Yonason as well. And that was what was his, what was his reasoning in doing that? Did he think that he didn't have to listen to his father and if he could do things on his own? Or did he think that Shaul would have prevented him and he felt that this was something that he had to do? Either way around, we'll see it makes a difference later, but at this stage, uh, Shaul doesn't know that Yonason is going to leave him and so to speak, try and take up a, like, confront the Pishim on his own. The Shaul was sitting at the edge of the mountain where they were under, under a pomegranate tree. Like we said before, he only six people with him. So now Shaul thinks that if the Navi didn't help him, so he's going to ask for the river Maybe we're going to answer like that. So who was the Kohen at the time? So the Kohen was, if you remember, Elia Kohen's sons, uh, Pinchas and Chafti were killed in battle. And then on the day that they died, Pinchas had a son called Ikavod. Now that was at the beginning of Shmuel's, so to speak, tenure as a shepherd. And now we're talking a few years down the line. So the Prophet tells us, when Pinchas, when Eli Kohen, Hashem, The brother of Ikavod, his name was Achitov, and his son was named Zachiyah. So he was the nephew of Ikavod, which means he was a great grandson of Eli Kohen. Eli Kohen had been the Kohen of Shiloh. And so he was now the one who had the Rimbatumim with him. He had the he had the Shkhashin. So he was there with them. So we're just giving the background to what's going to happen next. We said beforehand that Yonason had decided he's going to attack the Pishti by himself. He didn't tell his father and no one else realized. So while Yonason has gone off on his own campaign against the Pishti, in the meantime, um, Shaul's going to call, Shaul calls, calls the Koyan to come and ask him for the Eifah, to come and ask him to for a direction from Hashem, what's he meant to do? Now, put this piece of information uh, like on the back burner for right now because the Gemnach is going to come back to talking about what, the story of Yonis and what he did, and then at the end of the story, we'll come back to why this was necessary. Now, let's understand why uh, Shaul, which, well, while everything we're going to see next will happen with Yonis what happened to the Shaul? Shaul was looking for the coin to ask a shayla from the Rambam. And when you get back, when the Sfata sits back to Shaul, we'll come back to that. In the meantime, we're just telling you the situation. The Jewish army was waiting, he didn't know what to do. Shaul calls the Kohen to get some direction. That's what they're holding. In the meantime, Yonison goes off on his own, and neither Shaul nor the people realize that Yonison is God. Okay. Ubaina ma'abra is the biggest Yonison lava al matzah fishtim. Shayna sela me'ebi mizeh, v'shayna sela me'ebi mizeh. So there was two. Shayna sela is like basically a pillar of rock, like a stone structure which was on either side of the Ma'abras, of the, of the passage, which Yonison wanted to go to get to the Pishtim. Now as he wanted to go between these two aircrafts of rock, and the Nach gives us the names, the Shema Echot Baites, the Shema Echot Sanya. There's the names of these two peaks, or these two rock formations, and Yonison wants to go between them to get to the Pishtim. So again, the, the Navi is giving us information. So the Christian were in the north, they were next to Mechmash. The Klaishal were in the south. So Yonason is now going from south to north 
between these two things of rocks to meet up with the Pishtim who are in Michmash. So what does Yonison plan to do? He's a single man, and again, he has a tremendous army against him. So, you know, Yonison, as they were on their way to the Pishtim, so Yonison tells his, his arms bearer what his plan is. So he tells the Nair who's carrying his, uh, his arrows, Let's go to the stand of where these, he calls them Aradim, is Goyim R. Maybe Hashem will help us. Why? Because it doesn't make Hashem isn't stopped from helping, whether there's a lot or a little. And therefore, Yonason says, the Master, even though there's just two of us, it doesn't have to prevent Hashem from helping us, even though we are facing so much of a bigger army. And the Sulbera tells him, I'll follow you whatever you want to do, you go, I'm behind you. Whatever you decide the right thing to do, he's willing to, to remain loyal to Yonison throughout. So now, here's Yonison's plan. So Yonison's plan is we're going to cross between these two pillars of rock, and on the other side, then the Pishtim will see us. It will be revealed to the Pishtim. So, if they're going to say to us, Wait until we come to you. We're going to stay where we are, but we're not going to go after them to fight them. We'll, we'll, we'll wait for them to come to us. If they're going to say to us, You come fight us. Then we're going to after them. That's the sign that, uh, that Hashem is giving us the green light to attack them. And therefore, now, this isn't the only time Yonison does this. He looks, we'll see later on also. If this is what they say, that's what it means. If that's what they say, that's what it means. And he's going to try and infer from what uh, what happens, what they're meant to do. And the Shaila in Halakh is, is this Motos or Asa? Look, so it wasn't a fish on the Lua. Sorry? It wasn't a fish on the Lua. No, he wasn't a Navi. He was saying that uh, we're going to take, uh, so to speak, the, the cue from what the fish can say to us. And you will understand in that a message. So the person will say, you stay still. Okay? But they say, then we'll wait where we are. But they say, does come up to us, and it's being told that you're giving the green light to come and fight, even though that's not what they meant. But uh, nevertheless, they will see this as a message from Hashem to go fight them, and uh, that's what we're going to do. Now, the point here is like this. Yannison doesn't expect that he's going to catch the British army by surprise. He said clearly, they're going to see us. And the question just is, what are they going to say to us? Now, as they're going to say that we're going to, as we know in the, in the times in battle, so it was clear they would uh, invite the other side to, to, to battle with them. It wasn't so much guerrilla warfare. And therefore, if they say to us, okay, you know, we, we're coming to attack you, so they're, all they're going to say to us, you, know, you think you come, to, you come attack us, we, we, we're going to fight we're in, in the position we're in. So you just want to see this as a sign. And I'll be asked before. Why wasn't this part of the Easter of Nechosh? The Torah says that a person can't make signs to predict the future. And therefore, if a person says, this is what happens, and this is what it means, if this means I'll, something like this happens, I'll be successful. If something else happens, it means I'll have bad luck. All these kinds of things are all in the gathering of Nechosh. It's also to do. So why wasn't it also in this context here for Yonason to, to make a sign, so to speak, of uh, hearing what the Christian would say, and in that, seeing a and seeing a sign that 
this is what you're meant to do. So really the Gemara talks about it. The Gemara talks about one other case of somebody else also who made a kind of a sign, and that was Eliezer. Eliezer, when he went to the well, so he said that the Hamamans know the right girl is. So he says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask for a drink. And the girl that tells me, I'm not only giving you a drink, but I'll, you know, I'll feed your camels too. Well, that's a sign that's what you wanted. So what? You also, you don't have a maneuver. But you're giving Hashem, uh, so to speak, instructions. If it's that you're going to tell the person this is what they're going to make them say a certain thing, and then they'll know that's the right thing for me to do. So here, it also the Why isn't that the of Nechosh as well? So the Gemara itself says in Chodin, the Gemara says, Kol Nachash that it, that the, to try and foretell what's going to be or what to do, like Eliezer or Yonis and that is that works. Anything else is not good. You can't do anything else. What would the spire be? Why would these cases be different to the cases of Nichosh, which the Torah says is also? So there are a number of different Mahalchim and Mepharshim. To try and explain what, what the chiluk between between a nichush which is muta and nichush which is also, which means trying to look for a sign which one can do, or trying to look for a sign which we say is also. Um, there's also explain it that a nichush which is also isn't totally on people. So the Gemara's examples are if I see a black cat or I see a bird or I see some other sign happens which is a natural thing, cases like that the Gemara says is nichush which is also. In other words, because uh, it's trying to look into some random incident which doesn't have any significance, a sign important for the future. And that's what Gemara says, Nechash, which is also. Whereas over here, when it's a shadow of what somebody is going to say, so it's not like it's a random, uh, so to speak, omen, which a person is going to see in some kind of animal or some kind of bird or whatever else it might be, something in the natural world. Yeah, it's more like uh, that there's a, a person chooses what to say. And therefore, when it's reading into their words, what 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 uh, what what, uh, what the intention from Hashem is. Now, the truth is, in the case of Eliezer, it's much easier to understand that. Because Eliezer isn't also such a nichosh. And Eliezer was saying, that's a quality which I admire. And therefore, it's not saying, well, if someone randomly tells me that I'll feed your camels, and that must be like some kind of superstition. No, that's a sign of a balas chesed. It's a sign of somebody who understands the situation is willing to offer more. And whatever other marriage you're going to read into the story, so therefore it's not it's not random. It's not like uh, there's a person who happens to be the person to walk on my left and on my right, which has no significance to it. There, there was a swara in that. There was a logic in that, and therefore it would make sense that it wasn't a nichosh. Rather, that was what he was looking for. And if that's the case, by Eliezer, then you have to explain by Yonason. So what was the significance of what the Christian would say to him? Uh, and as it wasn't obviously it said some idea. It wasn't just randomly that choose to use this word or that word. So it was enough community if the Pishnah would say, come up to us, or they'd say, we'll come up to you. And that's why he saw that a symbol from Hashem as, as a sign what he's meant to do. So, Pashtus, the, there's, again, there's a difference between different Mephoshim. Let's start with the way the Mesodos explains it. And the Mesodos is like this. He says that, Really, the Christian the army was marching. And therefore, what would have made more sense is when they would see a, just a few people, two of them, and they would say, you know, we're, we, we're coming towards you. And said, so, well, in fact, you stay where you are, we're going to attack you. 
That would have been the logical thing to do. Why? Because there are two ways an army can fight. One army can fight is when they've entrenched themselves in a position where they fortify themselves. And that's the case, they don't want to leave their position. They're well protected where they are. So then the logical thing would be to say, come fight us. You know, we've laid, in a, we've laid ourselves into trenches, we've built walls, whatever it is. You know, we, we're staying where we are. You want to fight, come fight us. Because we're taking a defensive position. Whereas if an army is marching, they're on the attack. So there's no reason for them to say, come to us. We, we're, we are, we, we're moving forward. So we go here, we're going to come and attack you. In other words, to tell the, uh, uh, the, an enemy, fight, come fight me, it better means I'm taking a defensive position. To say to an enemy, I'm coming to fight you, means I'm taking an attack position. And therefore, the innocence of the sign. Not what the petition necessarily meant, but the sign from Shemaim was meant to be. And that is, if the petition say, we coming to fight you, stay where you are, we're going to come to you. It means the Pishtim, we're being told, we're attacking you, you defending. Whereas the Pishtim are going to say, you come to us, so even though it wouldn't be a logical thing for them to say, because they weren't trying to defend themselves, they were trying to attack. But if they were going to say that, then the reality is the symbol that it's meant to be is, Hashem is telling us, attack them. Right? If they're going to take, if what they're saying is, we def- you know, come up to us, we def- we, then we're acting in the defensive role, so that it means it's a symbol that we meant to be attacking. And therefore it wasn't superstitious. It wasn't a nachash that maybe this is what the words mean. There was a certain logic in it. Yannison understood in the words like, you know, what, is, what, what, the, what the, the instruction of Yisman HaShemayim was meant to be. That's one mahalach. That's one mahalach of why it, this wasn't just a nichush, which means um, relying on an almond or something superstitious. There was really a logic to what Yannison was saying. Um, and the Radak also brings this Gemara, and the Radak explains it differently. That when, because we find something similar a number of times in the Midrashim, a number of times in Chazal, even in much later days, in times of the Tanaim and Amaraim, that when somebody wanted to be given some direction, so they would go to a random child leaving, leaving Chayda and say, What possible did you learn today? We find a number of times in Chazal and the Midrashim, even the Gemaras that they would go to a child living Chayda and ask him, what possible did you learn? And what's the significance? They would try and see some relevance to the situation that they were facing from what, what possible the child said. Why would that be, Mutta? Why would trying to find significance in some random possible um, be a way to take a direction or to understand something? Um, so the way that Dach explains it is that when a person is looking for a, 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 some kind of omen in an event which happens, so then, and then, so then that's also. Whereas if a person is looking for, has to make a decision, and therefore it's, it's not a question of, this is a bad sign, so I'm not going to do anything. Rather, the question is, um, I need to make a decision. I'm looking for some kind of a to show me which decision to make. So then in a case like that, he says it's not, it's not also to... Just like we could ask a child for the pasuk, they wouldn't, and they would give you some kind of direction. It wouldn't be also to ask people and use that as a, as a reason for direction. Now that uh, that's a big chiddush. Um, that's a big chiddush to say that uh, any time I can ask a person, and what the, based on what they're going to say is going to give me direction, the pasuk says that I've by a pasuk, and therefore there be some significance to a pasuk. And in fact, that uh, there is such a, a saying of Chaim Velazhna which is brought down in the Nikutim. 
at the end of the Chaim, the number of like, quotes he, in his name he used to say often. And one, one of the things he said, it's actually very interesting to know. Chaim um, writes that if a person is to make an important decision and he's not sure what to do, and he doesn't have a way to, obviously, to know what the right thing is uh, between the two options, and Chaim says what he should do is he should sit and learn for two or three hours. And then when he finishes the first thing which comes to mind, he sit and say, why isn't that nechosh? Why isn't that also superstitious? The understanding is that sometimes if a person um, is relying on a schos, so then that's not the same thing as just relying on any random army. And if that's the case, asking a child for a pasuk would be in that category too. It's, 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 if you ask him to tell you the pasuk he learned, that's, that's the pasuk in the Torah. So there's a certain schos involved in that. Either way, that, that, therefore it's not exactly the same thing over here, when what Yonis was asking or was expecting was that the petitioner would tell him, um, either you come to us or we'll come to you, uh, to say that, therefore, asking another person isn't considered nechush. The attack says it, but it's lachar, it's a chedish. Like we said, like Pashtas says, as we said before, and that is Yenison saw significance in that. It didn't make sense that they would ask him to come to them. They weren't trying to defend themselves, they were trying to attack. And therefore, if that's the case, and that's a symbol, then that's mind that we meant to attack them. So that was the, that was the, what Yenison tells his weapon bearer, that's going to be for the scientists to know what to do. So what happens? So they reveal themselves. They come through these three rocks, and now they're visible to the Pishtim who are marching out of the side. And the Pishtim said, The Jews are coming out of the Chorim, out of the holes in the mountain where they hit. In other words, even though they only saw two of them, obviously the Pishtim never thought for a second that the entire fighting force of the Jewish people is just two people. And, and his, so I think we saw one of them, but there must be more of these mm-hmm. Jews who are hiding in the holes. Mm-hmm. So they answer, and they say, you come to us, we will teach you something. You, know, so you, you, will, you come to us, we will attack you. And so that was the sign he needed. So Yenison says, Follow me. We're going to. No, oh, that's a symbol that we're going to attack them, and then we're going to be successful. Hashem's given them into our hands. Now, why would the Pishtim say that? Obviously, they didn't understand the significance of what they were saying. But nevertheless, why would they want Yonason to attack them rather than being being the ones to attack? They're in a definitely were in a much stronger position. And the answer is what the Pishtim himself said the pasuk before. And that is, they didn't know how many Jews were hiding in the, sol- in, in the, in the rocks. They see Yenison and his, and his sword bearer come out of a rock, between the rocks. So now they suddenly see that the Jews have been hiding. Now, they didn't know who, how many other Jews were hiding. And therefore, obviously, they thought, if we're going to try and attack them, they're all fortified. They're all in their hiding places. So they're going to attack us from wherever they are. And therefore, they say the opposite. They say to Yenison, you come to fight us. Because that way they knew it, they, they wouldn't have to risk like uh, being attacked from all the, any various hiding places there had been where the Jews might be where the Jews might be hiding, and that's the background. That's why the Christians did what they said. But again, that's not the significant point. Yonason still saw in the Rasimun that even if we can explain what the Christians were worried about, nevertheless Yonason still saw in the Rasimun that this is being told to Minashemayim that you meant to be the one to attack. And if you haven't seen it tomorrow, as Hashem, that's what Yonason does. That was like the green hats I got in the tactic mission.